It's a Mailbag Monday. We've got your questions about the Royals and the Rays, bunch of Angel stuff, Jordan Walker, and a perfect game by an umpire. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And as we do every Monday, this entire show, Mailbag Monday, your questions. I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball, show's on Twitter at Locked on Farm. You can email us, Prospects at gmail.com. Had a bunch of these came from YouTube. Leave a comment on YouTube if you have something for the mailbag. Let's get into it. First question, John from YouTube. We had just talked about Emerson Hancock last Monday, uh, pitcher for the Mariners. And he said, like, that reminded him of another talented pitcher who hasn't put it together in Asa Lacey of the Royals. Are the Royals going to let him continue to try to be a starter or go ahead and move him to the bullpen? So, uh, reminder on who Asa Lacey is. 2020 first rounder, number four overall pick. Uh, out of Texas A&M, $6.6 million bonus. Got a bunch of money. Uh, The stuff is phenomenal. The stats are not. So uh, he got 14 games in high A quad cities last year. He got 11 total games, three starts, this year in uh, Northwest Arkansas in double A. His minor league stats as a whole, 19 games started, 29 total games, 7.09 ERA, 114 strikeouts in 80 innings to 83 walks. So a lot to unpack here. Uh, Again, the stuff, the stuff is absolutely phenomenal. So fastball. 97 to 98 is where it kind of sits. He can run it up to 100 if he needs to. I've seen 70 grades on this fastball. Uh, he has a he has a like a high three quarter slot, and being six four, that means the ball comes out pretty high off the ground, has a pretty sharp angle down to the plate. Uh, slider, I've seen 60 grade. I've seen 65 grade. If you believe in the half grade there on a on on plus. Uh, true out pitch. He can get um, swings and misses against both righties and lefties. Uh, it looks like a cutter sometimes as far as the way that it kind of moves. The changeup is average, projects to be a plus pitch. It has a lot of late life in there. And then a curveball that's a work in progress. It's average, but it's got some decent bite and stuff to it. The stuff is very, very good when he commands it. But. The fact that he has 9.3 walks per nine in his minor league career tells you he doesn't always command it. Uh, When you watch him, again, the stuff is phenomenal. But the polite way to word this is he struggles to consistently throw strikes. Uh, It's something where it's not just like a he's he doesn't have great control and command. It's it's like a fundamental mechanics issue, right? Uh, His his. Upper half and lower half don't stay in sync. And so when they're in sync, he's phenomenal. I saw an outing of his where he he went out there for two innings and struck out like five guys, looked untouchable. And then the next the next outing, 
He lasted a third of an inning, walked like three or four guys, couldn't through like three strikes and like 20 pitches. It's just, he's an enigma wrapped in a question, wrapped in a mystery. There is somewhere inside of all of this, there is a very, very good pitcher. But where is the guy that we saw in college? Where is the Texas A&M guy that had a, a, an ERA under two and had the least, walks, the least walks of any starter on the team. What happened? Where is that guy? I know he had, so he had a shoulder injury in 2021, messed up some of the year there. He had uh, back issues in 2022 that kept messing up his season. And when he talked about it, he said that like he, it was a combination of like a strain and spasms and he was losing mobility. And it was a whole weird thing that I don't think they ever really fixed. And I don't think there's there ever was any confidence that he was truly over it. And the numbers kind of bear that out. Uh, at this point, the way things are, you can't you can't use Asa Lacey at the big league level like this. If he walks nine guys per nine innings, and I say that knowing that in 14 starts last year, he had an ER, uh, he had a walks per nine of seven. So he was even worse this year. He had like 12 and a half walks per nine in double A, uh, mostly in relief, trying to come back from the back injury. Everything that I understand, everybody I've talked to, everything I've read says that the stuff is still really good. He still struggles to throw strikes. They're still going to try to work him out as a starter. The plan is to see if he can fix it. If he can't fix it, that's where you look into... Okay, he has, like right now, he has 80 innings in his big league career. Uh, so he has he has just under one full season of pitching in two years. It's too early to move him to the bullpen. Uh, first round pick, number four overall, $6.6 million. I understand the sunk cost fallacy, but the Royals don't want to do that yet. Now the Royals have a new manager, a lot of new guys coming in. So they may, in fact, make a change. I don't know. But everything that I've read says they're going to use him as a starter. They're trying to get him fully healthy. And they're going to work on fundamentally helping him kind of get back to who he was in college. Uh, so, again, phenomenal stuff for Asa Lacey. But uh, significantly below average control. And you've got to figure that out. I think that if you can get, if you can get the control to just, I mean, if you can get it to below average to average... You have a guy that at worst can be in the middle of the back of your rotation. And for Kansas City, he can probably be a little bit higher in it. If he even had average control, he's just 12.6 walks per nine is not a thing you can bring to the big league level at all. You just can't do it. It's not a matter of would it be better out of the bullpen. You just can't do it at all. Uh, so as of right now, he is not usable. But the plan is to try to make him a usable starting pitcher. Uh, Jay Fly on YouTube asked about Jonathan Aranda. What might happen to him? Is he a trade candidate for the race? So 2015 IFA, Jonathan, Jonathan Aranda, had 104 games this year in AAA and then had 32 games at the big league level and honestly kind of looked like different players in those two looks. So at the big league level, 192, 276, 321 in 32 games. Two home runs. Six extra base hits, eight walks to 23 strikeouts. He played second base 13 times. He played first base 11 times. He played third base six times. He DH'd, and he had one game where he spent like four or five innings in left field. So he plays all over the diamond. 
In AAA, he looked like a much more promising player. 318, 394, 521 in 104 games. So we always talk about 300, 400, 500 slash line is kind of like a dude. He was right there at that. 18 home runs, 45 extra base hits, 45 walks to 100 strikeouts, struck out less than once a game, kind of this little rule of thumb, and 4 of 4 on stolen bases, which was not because he's speedy, because Jonathan Aranda is not speedy. Probably would beat me in a race. Like, he'd beat an average adult in a race, but as a professional baseball player, he is not that fast. Uh, He played 33 games at first, he played 30 at third, 25 at second, and then he played seven in left field and he DH'd about 12 times. Um, he is below average defensively pretty much anywhere he plays. So he pl- he can play all over the diamond. Really high batting average. I mean, it was one of the best batting averages in the minor leagues. It's just, I mean, I guess you play him at first because you don't notice bad range at first. Other than that, like, it's not, it's not the typical Rays defensive profile. And yes, he hit 18 home runs in 104 games, and we know the Rays need power. I don't think the Rays are going to trade defense for power this significantly. They'll make a small trade-off. They're not going to trade to get average power. I mean, 18 home runs in 100 games. Average power for below average defense. That's not a trade they're going to make. They'll go from a plus defender to a above average defender or to an average defender. They won't go to a below average defender. So he was put on the 40-man roster last offseason because they thought it would be a Rule 5 draft. But we know there's a lot of 40-man decisions to be made by the Rays this year. And so he's a guy who I think if the Rays go out there and try to make a move, whether it's for a catcher, we had that show two weeks ago, uh, which, you know, the Rays trading for Sean Murphy, the A's, or somebody else. I, I think Jonathan Aranda is a prospect that you can point to the batting average, you can point to the power potential, and the ability to play just about anywhere, and you can flip him to a team that needs like a base level of competency on offense and needs a batting average guy and then use the allure of having this top 10 prospect, I think he's number five, number six, where I've seen, to go out and get somebody better. In just a minute, I want to get to a couple questions about the Angels following up on last Friday's show. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline is your number one source for betting football. The start of the new basketball season, you can get the latest player developments, team matchups, news, and in-depth analysis on every game. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information, live betting, up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. Obviously, the one we care about here is MLB. We still have this for the series. The Astros are still the favorite, minus 170. Phillies are plus 150. That line is as of Sunday night. But you can go out there and you can look at, uh, you can do runs plus hits plus errors, the over-unders. You can do adjusted lines, whatever you might want, props, whether it's, how many games who went, who will be MVP. All of those lines are out there right now at Bet Online. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action because Bet Online is where the game starts. Okay, so a couple Angels questions here uh, stemming from the, the Farm Friday we did for the Angels last Friday. And the first one was from Tyler via email. Longtime listener of the show. Shout out to Tyler. Uh, Set of questions said, in essence, Jared Walsh has thoracic outlet syndrome. And that's what ended his season this year. And so what's his prognosis for this? 
And if he's not ready to go next year, what are the options for the Los Angeles Angels to to cover first base without him? Uh, so thoracic outlet syndrome is not something that happens a ton to non-pitchers. A lot of the literature out there discusses pitchers recovering from thoracic outlet. Not all of them do. Matt Harvey is an example of a guy that felt like um, took a while to kind of come back and still never really hit his form from his thoracic outlet. Uh, what the actual issue is, is it is where blood vessels and or nerves get pinched between the collarbone and the first rib that's below the collarbone. For some reason, that space tightens up, uh, contracts, and either the, the blood vessel, the nerves, both, an artery, something is impacted by that. It often represents as shoulder or neck pain, finger numbness, lack of strength, things like that. Jared Walsh went from an all-star in 2021, batting 277, 340, 509 with 29 home runs into a 215, 269, 374 hitter this year until they found out what this was. It's something that is not always entirely obvious what's going on when it happens. Um, Now, I understand he had surgery. Typically what they do in that surgery, they actually remove that rib so that they can, so that there's plenty of space for those nerves and and blood vessels to, to, to flow without being congested. So they remove that. He is expected to make a full recovery and be back to 100% significantly before spring training. So, I mean, they're, they're talking about January. He should be fine. So he is expected to play first base. But if you look at the other options, there's not a ton. So when he was out, Mike Ford took over, played 27 games at first. Mike Ford, I think, is the definition of a journeyman. In 2022 alone, he played for the San Francisco Giants, the Seattle Mariners, the Atlanta Braves, and the Los Angeles Angels. He is the definition of a journeyman. Batted 231, 293, 374 with the Angels again in 27 games. Uh, Matt Duffy spent about 21 games at first base. He plays first, he plays third, he plays second. He's also a free agent. I think he's like 31. He may or may not be back. Uh, Matt Tice, Dice. Uh, he is a catcher that can also play first base. He is expected to be uh, the third catcher next year. The idea is Max uh, Stasi is back. Did not have a great year last year, but he is back because his contract is large and you can't afford to get rid of him. And so the thought process is he's back. Veteran leadership, defense, that kind of stuff. Uh, Logan Ohapi, the prospect, uh, he is up. He finished the season. At the big league level, the thought process is he will be in the big leagues next year. And so maybe Thice has a little more flexibility, can make the roster as the backup at first base. Uh, It's kind of hard to carry a third catcher, but it may be something if Jared Walsh isn't ready, you probably have to make a bigger move. When you look at the farm system, there's not a first, like a a guy that screams first base ready in the system. Your your two best guys, Sonny Deshera in double A. Uh, fifth round pick in 2022. We talked about him on Friday's show. Significantly struggled going down the stretch uh, as far as at, at the plate, what they were doing. We just kind of lost the approach that he had in college and looked like a different hitter, a significantly lesser hitter. So not ready for the big league level. Work to do there. 
And then Gabe Matthews, 2021 undrafted free agent who's in high A, 227, 356, 402, 14 home runs. So some promise, got a little bit of time. Uh, I think I think he got a little time at double A at the very end of the season. But again, younger younger player, hasn't done it a whole lot in the high minors, absolutely not ready. So if Jared Walsh is not back, if Jared Walsh is not ready to go like he is expected to be, or there is some sort of complication, because you can have complications on a surgery like this where they remove a rib, uh, you're going to have to go out and make a move. You're either going to have to re-sign Matt Duffy, you're going to have to go get some veteran free agent, make a trade, uh, or decide that, you know, we can carry Matt Dice as a first baseman and third, like an emergency catcher uh, for a while until we figure out what's, you know, until we figure out when we're going to get Jared Walsh back. Uh, another question uh, that, that came via YouTube was, who is the first Angels pitcher to debut next? Uh, is it Kai Bush or is it Sam Bachman? So of these prospects, we talked a lot about Kai Bush on, on Friday's show. One of the pitchers that I'm, but I've been pretty impressed with as far as his raw stuff, uh, you're just working on, on, you know, small tweaks and small improvements. Sam Bachman is, I think, probably the higher ceiling, but the longer path to get there. So 6'1", 235, he was a 2021 first rounder, ninth overall pick out of Miami of Ohio. Uh, this was the draft where they drafted nothing but pitchers. Uh, 20 pitchers, 19 of them were college. Sam Bachman was number one and had some different injuries, had a bicep issue, had back spasms. And so in his career between 21 and 22, he's only gotten 17 starts. Now, uh, all 12 of his starts were at AA this year, 392 ERA and 43 and two thirds innings pitched. 30 strikeouts to 25 walks. And again, in 43 innings. So six and change strikeouts per nine, five walks per nine, gave up four home runs. This Bachman stuff is probably side by side, probably better than Kai Bush's stuff. I'd say Sam Bachman's fastball 94 to 97 is where it sits. He can touch 101 with it. The fastball, I'd give it a 70 grade. It's got run. It's got sink. It's a weapon to go along with it. The slider sits in the upper 80s. Has a lot of like late vertical break to it. And so, and then he, he slots them really well. And so you can see the fastball slider out of the hand, first half, like first 30 feet, three inches to the plate, first half of the trip looks like the exact same pitch. And then the fastball stays straight, runs in on your hands a bit. The slider just falls, just drop the bottom drops out of it. Uh, so, very good two pitches, but the changeup. Your, you know, the third pitch is clearly the third pitch. I think it can get to average, but it's not quite there yet. So you're really kind of a one-trick pony when it comes to the fastball slider. Now, Spencer Strider has shown that if the fastball and slider are really good and you can command them really well, you can make it work. But that's more the exception than the rule. It's very hard to take a two-pitch pitcher and make them into a starter. And so that's why the changeup development is crucial for Sam Bachman. Uh, the other thing we have to figure out here is the durability. Like I said, he had the bicep issue. He had back spasms. Five starts last year. And granted, he was drafted last year, but only got five starts. And only got 12 starts and 43 innings this year. Um, he didn't, like, he averaged less than four innings per start. It's something where you've got to build him back up. He's got 58 innings in the year and a half since he was drafted. And so... 
You have to build him back up into a starting pitcher. You have to build his depth in games as well as his innings over a season. And so to me, you're probably looking at if Sam Bachman goes all the way through 2023 consistently starting, then by the end of the season, if you're not contending, you're probably thinking, okay, we either are getting to the point where we need to shut him down because of the jump in innings, or we need to bring him up and give him like one or two looks at big league hitting before we shut him down. And then 2024, we're having that discussion. And that's your best case scenario. I think what's more realistic is 23, 24. He's called up some point mid-season in 24. Uh, is probably a more realistic scenario for Sam Bachman. Whereas Kai Bush, I could see a scenario where Kai Bush gets a chance to come up next year. They say, okay, you, you, got, you, you hit 100 innings in double A. You took the ball over 20 times. Your ERA was three and a half. You know, we think we want you to strike out a little bit more. We want you to have a little bit more stuff there. You know, improve the curveball, improve the changeup. But if we're not in contention late in the year, you can do that, Kai Bush, at the big league level in 2023. So I like Bush to get called up before Bachman simply because Bush is farther along in his development than Bachman is because Bachman's missed so much time. In just a minute, I want to get to a couple questions about uh, some current top prospects and some former top prospects right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. And we're back. So Jake on Twitter asked about Joe Adele of the Angels. Uh, What are the odds that Joe Adele gets moved by the Angels and they go out and get... You know, and, and, and they go see what they can get for him. So uh, 2017 first rounder out of high school is Joe Adele. Uh, he is a guy that is one of those top prospects that so far hasn't really panned out. And they're trying to figure out what happens here. So if you think about it, you have Taylor Ward in right field. You have Mike Trout in center. Left field, you have Joe Adele. You also have Mickey Moniak, who came over as the key to that Brandon Marsh deal. And so do you take Moniak and play him every day? Do you play Adele every day? What they did towards the end of the season was they played Moniak versus righties and Adele versus lefties. And the thing with Adele is he's improving defensively. I've seen him have some surprisingly great plays, but he also strikes out way too much. So... 88 games last year. Slash line 224, 264, 373. Eight home runs, 22 extra base hits, 11 walks, so just under 4% walk rate, to 107 strikeouts in 88 games. 37.5% strikeout rate. Uh, Four or six on stolen bases. He's not good enough defensively to be this bad on offense. You've got to figure something out. And so I really think it's a, it's a scenario where Moniak and Adele share time. They, they platoon. They do something until somebody sets themselves apart to be the everyday starter. I don't quite think that Joe Adele is done in LA, but I think he's on his last chance. I think you, you don't see them go out and get a change of scenery guy like a Moniak 
unless you're thinking about making Joe Adele a change of scenery guy and shipping him out. So I do think that they're probably at the end of their rope. Now we have to remember, Joe Adele is 23 years old. He has exactly one cumulative season of games. He has 161 games in his career, 557 at-bats. So exactly one season. Now over that one season, his slash line's 215, 259, 356. So not great. Not a lot of stuff he's shown you that tells you that he's going to work out, but he really has one season of starting experience. And 38 of that was in 2020, which was really weird, and you almost can't count it all. So we'll see what happens with Joe Adele. Not quite sure what's going to happen there yet. Cody on Twitter asked about another trade package for Sean Murphy. He said, catcher Sean Murphy of the A's. Um, Ramon Laureano, the outfielder, and pitcher A.J. Pook to the Cardinals for third baseman Jordan Walker. Really quick, no. Jordan Walker is a top prospect, top 100 guy, very promising, considered to be one of the higher power hitters in all of the minors. Sean Murphy is a good catcher. He's not great. He's not going to make your team significantly better. He will improve your roster. He will not make your team significantly better, and he is not worth giving up a prospect like Jordan Walker. There are prospects in the Cardinal system that you could use to get Sean Murphy if you want to do that. Jordan Walker's not one of them. Brandon Donovan's not one of them. Nolan Gorman, I think, would probably be an overpay. There's people that would want him gone. Might, you know, might be a bit of an overpay for Sean Murphy. You're probably looking at somebody the tier below that, honestly. And then J. Mike asked about um, Pat Hoberg's perfect game. So if you are unfamiliar with at upscorecards on Twitter, at upscorecards posts stats from every single game evaluating the, the umpire and how they did at accuracy and consistency. And for the first time since we started tracking this stuff, Pat Hoberg had a perfect game or an umpire had a perfect game. Pat um, Hoberg took 129 pitches on Friday night in the Astros 5-2 victory over the Phillies, and he called every single one of them correctly. An average MLB umpire, and granted the better umpires get the postseason stints, and this is Pat Hoberg's first World Series, but the average umpire would have missed nine pitches of those 129. So... Debuted in 2014, he went full-time in 2017, and 36 years old, perfect game in the World Series. Uh, Believe it or not, there are people who track umpires and what their tendencies are as far as ball strikes, what their zone looks like, things like that. And because you have all of these games played at the minor league level, you have stats for umpires that are tracked at the minor league level. Now, a lot of these things are proprietary. So like, I don't have access to an MLB team's umpire database, but most teams track the umpires and they know who has a wide zone, who has a tight zone, who has a high zone, who has a low zone, how guys call games. And so we knew Pat Hoberg was really good. Uh, We've known about, he was one of those up and coming stars in umpiring, believe it or not. And so... I just think it's great. I just wanted to take a second to recognize a perfect game 
from an umpire. Go to at umpscorecards on Twitter. It's going to be hard to miss. It was all over baseball Twitter on Sunday when the tweet came out of showing that he got every single taken pitch called correctly, all 129. Um, and so, you know, nothing was wrong. Very impressive. Uh, if, reminder, if you have questions for the show, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball, show's on Twitter at Locked on Farm, or you can email us, LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com. Enjoy tonight's World Series, and until tomorrow's show, this has been Locked on MLB Prospects.